right. Welcome, everyone, to Vertical Church. I'm the pastor here on behalf of my wife, Jessica, the rest of our team. We just want to say we're so glad that you're here. If you're watching on Facebook today, so glad that you're with us and uh, would encourage you to use the chat section. Help me preach this sermon today. If you could share it on your page, that would help us a whole bunch as well. But so excited to get into the final week of this series called The Perfect Fit. We've been talking about this each week, and this will be the conclusion week four. But before we do that, let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today. God, we know that you have great plans for us. Lord, we know that you are a speaking God. You, you talk to your people. And so, God, we're here saying we're listening. We want to hear from you. We want to receive from you. We're not just trying to go through an event or an activity, but, God, we're trying to engage you uh, in a way that would change us. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So week four, we've been talking about God created us on purpose for a purpose. We've been talking about this series, The Perfect Fit. We believe that God has a function for you. He's got a place for you. He's got the perfect fit for you, uh, not just in his kingdom, but in this world. As we're building his kingdom, as we're advancing what God's called us to do, we believe that God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And uh, hold on one second. One thing isn't right. Let's see if we can fix this. How's that? Now I feel victorious. Now I feel better about things. All right, now we can do this. But you were created on purpose for a purpose, and God's got a place for you. And uh, the last couple weeks, uh, we've actually been talking about uh, God's got a gift for you, and he, he, he wants you to find it and discover it and advance it. And that speaks more of my language, where it's like, let's take the mountain, let's walk with God, let's go be victorious. I'm, I'm kind of that personality. I'm always looking for the next adventure and the next thing we can do and the next thing we can accomplish. And so for me, that, that kind of speaks my language. But today's sermon is a lot harder for me. Today's sermon is something that I have to work very hard at. As a matter of fact, most of these notes and, and much of what I'm going to share today actually comes from struggle in my life and counseling that I've had help with and some strategies that I've tried to put in place so that I could accomplish what we're about to talk to right here. And I kind of have two uh, strategies that I use when I preach a sermon. I hope that two things happen in a sermon. The first one is this. I hope that it comforts those who are afflicted. I hope when someone hears the sermon or experiences the worship at this church that, that somebody who's afflicted can walk walk away feeling comforted by what was presented here and, and what they experienced. <clears throat> but then at the same time, I also that, hope that my sermon afflicts the comfortable. <laughs> I also hope that it, it nudges those that have just maybe been sitting or stagnant or okay with just the way life has been going. And so really, I hope today's sermon does both of those. I hope that it comforts you if, if this is an area of your life that you maybe feel afflicted. But then I also hope that it, it, it's something that nudges you and pushes you. And so today we're going to talk about the perfect fit might be where you already are. The fit that God has for you, the place that God has for you might be the place that you're already in. You just need to learn to be more present and content in it. So many of us are looking for the next thing and the next thing. And and our personalities drive us to find the next fun, the next thrill, the next thing. When God has called us to be a people who steward well what we've been given before he can give us more. Can I get an amen? amen? And so I hope that that sermon, this sermon does that for us today. There's a missionary named Jim Elliott. And he gives us this great quote, which I'm going to share in a minute. But he's a man who was so committed to his call. He was so present in the moment of his assignment uh, that he actually gave his life on the mission field. He actually uh, was killed serving the people that he felt called to. And he said this. This was his motto in everything he did. He said, wherever you are, be 
all there. And that's a hard thing to do in our culture, isn't it? To be a people with all the distractions, with all the things coming after you, to be somebody who says, hey, if I'm going to be there, I'm going to be all there. Can I get amen? The reality is right now in this room, a lot of us are here, but you're not here. You're here, but you're not here. Many of us had everyone over for Thanksgiving, but you didn't have Thanksgiving. Many of you are in the marriage, but you're not in the marriage. Many of you are raising the kids, but you're not actually raising those kids. Many of you came here and you experienced worship this morning, but you didn't worship. Because we're so distracted, we're so spun out on all of the opportunities that we're not present, we're not paying attention to the place that God has put us. Think about it, in this moment, in the next 25 minutes that I have with you, you're going to think about yesterday, you're going to think about today, you're going to think about this afternoon, you're going to think about tomorrow, you're going to think about all of these other things when God has sent you here to hear from Him, and we're going to put our minds in all of these other things. Harvard did a study they found that 46.9% of people think about something else other than what they are doing in that present moment. Half of the time that you're doing something, you're thinking about something else. Almost half the time that you're presently functioning in something, your mind is actually gone somewhere else. I put it down like this. Everything has our attention except for our assignment. What about this? What about this? What are they doing there? I need to check this. Should we check that? I haven't heard from them. What do we, instead of the assignment, Harvard is telling us almost half our time we're thinking about something else. And I put it down like this. If you're not all there, you'll never fully be who God created you to be. If us taking a look at our life and stewarding the things that have been given us, if we aren't being a people who are present and paying attention and focused on what's been given us, you'll never step into the full assignment that God has for you. Harvard's data tells us that uh, we live half present half the time, which means you're half living half the time. You're half living in the moment that God called you to. And this isn't a self-help book or talk. We're actually going to get into the text here where the scripture gives us instructions about what it means to be focused and be in the moment. If you're only half living and you're only half present in half of your day, that means your marriage is maybe getting half your attention. Your parenting is only getting half of your best. Maybe your ministry or your church that you belong to is only getting half of your best. And the enemy is stealing. Can I get an amen today? I love this thought by Thomas Carlyle. He says this, our grand business undoubtedly is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. So many people saying like, oh, if we can just, if I could just do that, if I could just do this. Oh, someday, I can't tell you how many people in ministry get taken out because they come to me and they say, oh, pastor, I feel called to do this and I want to start this and I want to launch this and I believe God wants me to do all of this. And I say, that's great, amazing, let's do that. Let's start right here with this part of it. But they're so caught up and all the way over here that they don't steward this one well. And they never get to all the way over there because they're looking at what's dimly in the distance instead of stewarding what's right in front of them. Can I get an amen today? I remember a couple months ago, I was watching uh, a Geico commercial. It just caught my attention. I was just into it. And my daughter came in, the fun one. She's three years old. And I don't know how it is for you guys. Uh, but as the dad, I seem to be like the fashion runway judge or approver 
anytime my daughter's get dressed, especially the three-year-old, uh, I'm going to know about it. She's going to find dad. So she comes upstairs with like her shoes and her stuff. And she's doing like, dad, do you like my thing? I'm like, yeah, babe, you look so cute. Except you still have breakfast in your hair. You know, like, so that's what was happening. She had like put on these shoes and she wanted me to see it. And so I'm just watching it. And she's saying, dad, 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 dad. And I'm just stuck in this. And then finally I just hear her go, oh, fine. And she stomps out of the room. And that's what caught my attention. I was like, what? What did I do? Oh, jeez. Isn't it crazy in the world that we live in? I missed a moment with my daughter, an opportunity to be present, to affirm her over the gecko Geico guy. Are you with me today? The amount of messages that we get bombarded with, the things because we just simply aren't present people, those ads are everywhere. Not only do you watch TV, which in itself is a distraction, but when you're watching TV, you're getting the lower headlines in the corner box thing, and they're telling you to go on the website, and they're telling you to tweet this and follow them on this. There is all of these distractions happening. Why? It ke- why is that happening? Because the enemy uses these things to keep us from being present. I put it down like this. Most Christians won't be taken out by destruction. They'll be destroyed by distraction. The enemy can destroy your family if he can distract you enough to keep you from paying attention. We got to steward these moments well. Your perfect fit might be right where you are, and you just have to pay better attention to what God has given you. I thought about this. You can stifle your ministry or you can stifle what God wants to do in our communities simply if we are people who are too distracted to maybe serve in the house of God or be active in our community uh, and, and praying for people and listening to people. Amen. So this is a practical issue that I want to bring a biblical solution to. This is Paul we're going to look at in Ephesians. He's writing to the churches of Ephesus. Ephesus is a, is a church plan. It's an up-and-coming church, a lot like us. It's facing a lot of intense time and uh, all sorts of persecutions and different things going on. So it's very uh, realistic to our time. And so Paul's writing them like, hey, I, you guys need to know this. If you're going to be victorious, if you're going to walk in advancing God's kingdom, here's something that you need to know. So he writes this to Ephesus in Ephesians 5.15. He says, be very careful. He doesn't say like, man, it's a good idea. Like, or, ah, try this. He's like, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Then he says this making the most of every opportunity. What's he saying? Be present. Maximize every opportunity. Don't waste opportunities. That's unwise living. Be very careful then how you live. Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. And then he says this, but understand what the Lord's will is. You got to pay attention to something if you're going to understand it. How many in class, when you didn't understand something, your, parent, your, your teacher would say, the reason you didn't understand it is because you didn't pay attention. You weren't in the moment. You didn't take the time to recognize this. So he's saying, you've got to understand what the Lord's will is. He says, do not get drunk on wine. Drink rum. It tastes better and goes quicker. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you guys, you know, some of you guys, you, you already messed this up, the drunk on wine part, Thanksgiving. You guys don't know this. Pastors in town, we hide out outside Meyer and we test all our people. And many of you fail. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm truly kidding. So don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So he's giving us this great instruction of, hey, be so careful how you live. Pay attention. You've got to pay attention. You have to have understanding and you've got to know what the Lord's will is. Well, it's not possible to do that unless you give attention 
to your attention. We have to be a people who make sure we're paying attention. Another way that I wrote this down is you need to give intention to your attention. You have to be intentional about how you're paying attention, about how you're being present in the moment. That's why I think when you come to church, you should take notes and look things up in Scripture. I know we put them on the screen, and I know we have other those ways, but we need to be intentional about the way that we're paying attention. There's this term called metacognition. It's like Paul understood this, that we had this ability to go into cruise control. And he's saying, hey, you can't go into the cruise control thing. you got to pay specific attention. Metacognition is this. It's awareness and understanding of one's own thought process. It's the ability to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. It's, it's taking control of your thoughts and your thought process. Here's how I can prove that this metacognition is an important thing because you go into cruise control all the time. And here's how I can prove it to you. Uh, how many of you have ever gone through an intersection? You've gone through a light. And when you got through it, you went, I wonder what color that light was that I just went through. I wonder what that one was. It's because you went into subconscious. You are driving, but really you're thinking 50% of the time. Harvard is saying you're actually doing something else. And so they're saying you got to get in a position where you're paying attention to what you're thinking about. The study says this. Check this out, guys. The study says, oh, back to the car. So with cars, this is terrifying. They say that over 90% of your driving in a car is subconscious. You're driving this massive vehicle at a high speed, and they say over 90% of it is subconscious. And again, I can prove it to you because you can be going down the road and veer a little, and you don't tell yourself, I'm going to move the wheel now. You just automatically do it. Hopefully some of you not with your knee, right, you knee drivers. You never tell yourself, now's the time for me to move my foot from this pedal to this pedal. You just do it. The red, the color, oh, this is a stop sign. I'm presenting my stop now. No, you just do it 90% of the time. You have this ability to subconsciously drive. Here's where it's fun for us, fellas, uh, and and maybe ladies too. Uh, They say over 98%, I would actually vote it's higher than this, over 98% of the time that you're lawn mowing, you're doing it subconsciously. Because that's our thinking time, isn't it, right? You're just out there mowing and thinking about things. And so you're, just, you're not going like, oh, I better do that. You're just subconsciously mowing. Our mind is incredible. But I love that Paul is saying, hey, be careful. Because you might spend your whole life subconsciously living. Just going through the motions if you aren't present. Can I get an amen today? So he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity unwise people give no attention to what they do. If you say to somebody who made a really unwise decision, you're like, why did you do that? Why would you make that decision? They say, I don't know. I wasn't really thinking. I made that really stupid decision because I guess I really wasn't thinking. You weren't making a wise decision. And Paul's saying, be somebody who makes a wise decision. Pay attention to the things that matter. Uh, He said, uh, you got to be uh, looking for opportunity. Be, be paying attention to the opportunity. You can't recognize opportunity if you're not in the moment. You won't recognize the opportunity in raising your kids if you're not paying attention. The opportunity to step in and speak life over them and encourage them and raise them in the way they should go. You won't notice that opportunity if you're not paying attention. You won't notice the opportunity to be the spouse that God's called you to be in your husband and in your wife if you're not being somebody who's paying attention to the moment. Uh, advancing the kingdom, the call that God has on the church and the, the call that God has in our community. You won't be able to notice the opportunity if you're not paying attention. I wrote it down like this. Time is measured in minutes, 
but life is measured in moments. We got to notice these moments. We got to be living present, paying attention, as Paul is saying, so that we don't miss these moments. Uh, this week, uh, my wife and I, uh, we took out a loan and we brought our kids to the movie theater. <laughs> and we thought it would be a great idea. We love Disney. And so the new Disney movie came out and it's great. You should go see it. Support Disney. Amen. And uh, some of you are like, no, we don't support Disney. Uh, and there's other churches for you. This isn't it. <laughs> so we're like, this is going to be awesome. It's Thanksgiving and the family, and we're going to go watch a movie in the movie theater. We haven't gone for a long time, so I'm hyping it up to the kids. It's going to be so fun and quality family time, and we're going to see this movie. So I'm telling the kids on the way, like, yeah, you can get the kids meal thing there. And so we go there, and, you know, they're going to get the popcorn and a fruit snack, and, of course, they're going to get a Slurpee. And, uh, and, and so we get all the things. And so before we're even into the movie theater, I'm already like, okay, this might not have been a great idea, you know, because I'm, yeah, I got a three-year-old, a six-year-old, almost nine-year-old, and, and I'm trying to carry all the things and get all the stuff put together. No, I want that one. You get this one, and that's the wrong straw. And, rah, rah. and, uh, and so we're barely even in the movie, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so we sit down, and then, you know, like the worst part is, I don't know if you know this, but when you get to hell, hopefully none of you go there, but if you do, I'm preparing you. <laughs> The first thing it is like, oh, they're like, oh, welcome to hell. Uh, here's how you're going to spend your eternity. And it's taking car seats in and out of cars. Because that is the most hellish thing any person could ever do. They're like, we need this so secure to the seat of this car that your kid won't get injured. But you're never going to get it out without breaking at least three fingers. <laughs> and so, welcome to hell here. You're going to do that. But the thing that you're going to do alongside that is you're going to be surrounded by kids trying to drink ices. Because the problem with ices and Slurpees is kids get them and they're excited about them. They take like two drinks of it and then they can't get any more out. And so we're at the movie theater and it's just starting and we're sitting there and, and, and we're in the recliner chairs. So again, we get sit down. I'm like, oh man, my fun one, the three-year-old now has a power controlled chair. This is going to be a day. So we're into the movie and, and of course my son, he takes the two drinks of the icy and now he can't get any more. Dad, I can't get any more. This thing's stupid. You know, he's like, and I'm like, so I'm shaking it for him and I'm giving it back to him. Two more drinks. Dad is not working again. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then what's worse is after they can't get any more out, then they start with the straw noise. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, we're watching a movie. Give me that. But it gets worse after. They then take the lid off right? Because they can't get it that way. And then it becomes the flicking icy thing. So they're watching me and they're trying to, and it's just flicking icy all over you. So that's happening. And I'm trying to live present in the moment. I'm trying to have a family time. I know the sermon's coming. I can't be a hypocrite about it. And so I'm like, okay, Lord. So then we're watching the movie and all of a sudden my fun one, she's like, dad, what, honey? I lost my glasses in the seat. It was a 3D one. Oh, okay. Let me get up and get your glasses. I'm sitting here just like, ah, oh, ready to be like, why did we do this? But here's the thing. It's the moment that the kids will remember, not the perfection of how it was all supposed to go. So many of us get so hung up on, no, it's supposed to go like this and like this and like this and like this. And we don't realize the moments are actually what's creating the moment. Did that make sense? Yeah. It, it's the moments that's actually creating the love and the atmosphere and the upbringing. You know, my, my kids, you know, the, your kids aren't going to turn around and be like, you know, I'm just so grateful for my upbringing. You know, my parents, they just had the properly sized square footage home. I'm so grateful that they spent so much time building homes just right and doing everything. You know, and every two years they leased the right car and got the right deal and all the things that we pay attention to. Versus saying, you know what, my parents, they just took us to those movies. 
got to pay attention to the moments. Yesterday we went um, to the Michigan game, which I fully believe that the only reason Michigan won that game is because God was giving me sermon content. <laughs> I'm also starting, because I knew I was preaching on the power of a moment, and I was like, God, you know, it'd be good content if we won this game, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but we're going to say, all right, buddy, we're going to this game, which, again, by the way, uh, Charlie, that was his first game he's ever been to, and we finally beat the Buckeyes, and so I will be starting a GoFundMe for those of you that want to get him season tickets. <laughs> Just keep him going to those games. But, uh, but it's the whole day. Woke him up at 5.15 in the morning. Buddy, we're going. It's going to be so great. And it's dad and son stuff. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, kids, if you're in here listening or online or whatever, you do what your parents tell you to do, not what the pastor tells you to do. Uh, but there's this part in the Michigan game where uh, on fourth down, uh, which is the final down, if you don't know much about football, and the team has to kick the ball away. At Michigan Stadium on fourth down, the band does this little like does this little thing, and then the whole stadium yells, "You suck!" And um, we don't say that in our house. We don't. And uh, and I was telling him on the way, I said, "Hey, um, I'm going to let you do something today, Charlie, because <laughs> it's Dad and Sunday." And so on fourth down, when they punt, he was like, "Didn't believe me, you know, because I'm always messing with them." Oh, I've never seen a kid so happy on a fourth down. He, he wanted fourth down, not so that we stopped him, just so that we could. <clears throat> so it's dad and son. We're doing this whole thing all day long. And there was a DJ uh, on the sideline. I know I'm taking some time to have fun with you, and people don't like to have fun in church, but that's fine. I do. Uh, my team won yesterday. I feel good. Okay. But uh, so there's this DJ on the side of, the, on the, side of the, the stadium, the sideline, and he's keeping music going and all this stuff. But it's like it's techno music. And this song that they played this whole time, it, it's only got like five words to it. It's just this techno beat. And it's like, we're going to pump it up. We're going to. And they just keep doing it. And he's like, Dad, this song is so cool. Well, it was a crazy snowstorm on the way home last night. If you watch the Michigan State game, you'd see how much snow we got. And so driving back, I'm not kidding you guys. It takes me two hours and 20 minutes to get to the, to the game normally. I drove over five hours on the way home, 40 miles an hour the whole way home. And uh, I have a truck, and I'm also not afraid of using it. Uh, people... <laughs> you know, say goodbye to each other, oh, bye, drive safe. I say bye to people. I say, hey, see ya, drive fast, take chances. You know, like that's how I said, I'm not afraid. And uh, it took five hours. Well, because it was dad and Sunday and we're letting Charlie, yeah, man, let's have a day. What do you want to do? The whole way home, guess what we played for five hours? (laughs) We pumped it up. I'm so sick of pumping it up. And I'm also the guy that's like, hey, if we're taking a road trip, we're not stopping. We're just going to get there. Well, the roads were terrible. It was a crazy long drive. And uh, I promised him, though, like, hey, buddy, whatever you want for food on the way home, we're going to get. Well, he chose Taco Bell. That's great. I'm good with Taco Bell. Except for, except for it was one of those exits that you get off the exit, and it's like all the food is 1.1 mile this way, except for randomly Taco Bell is three miles that way. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, no, I don't want to do that. For, and I just remember, no, no, the moments. Are you with me? we got to pay attention to these moments. Lifetime, years, uh, years are counted in minutes, but lifetimes are these moments we've got to pay attention. Amen? We need to focus on what really matters. If I'm being real with you, you might be caught up on Netflix, but you're behind on intentionally parenting your kids. You might say, no, no, I'm, I'm with my kids a lot. No, man, I, I work hard. I work hard all week, and then, and then I'm there all weekend. I'm around my kids. Just because you're around your kids doesn't mean you're present with your kids. Yeah. You're around your boss a lot, but that doesn't mean you feel valued and invested by your boss, right? we got to be 
intentionally pouring into our kids. Just time around them doesn't qualify as quality time. You might be caught up on all the headlines. You can tell me everything that's going on in culture. Well, did you know they're going to do this? Did you hear this is happening and this is happening? You might be caught up on all that, but you're way behind on your understanding of Scripture and God's plan for your life. Your fantasy football team might be in first place, but your marriage is on a losing streak. we got to pay attention to the moments. Paul's saying, don't be unwise. Pay attention. Gain understanding about what I've called you to. 1 Corinthians 16, still Paul. He's actually given us a sneak peek. He might be a seven on the Enneagram as well. Uh, if you don't know what the Enneagram is, it's sort of a, a self-evaluation kind of study that you can do. People say, well, I don't know how I feel about that. Shouldn't the Bible be leading us? Of course the Bible should be leading us in our character development. But I also think you can use Scripture says there's nothing new under When I keep mentioning that, that's just what that is. It tells you your weaknesses, your strengths, all these things. Paul might have been a seven like me. Uh, he, he likes to plant things and go places and do things. And even the way that he's writing right here, uh, you can hear him kind of go off into a, like a, a dreaming. And then he brings it back to reality. Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians 16, 5. He says, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you. For though I will be going through Macedonia, perhaps I stay with you for a while, or even the winter, so that you can help me on my journey when I bring this back in. But I'll stay here at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has been opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. He's saying, like, I could do all of these things, but I'm going to bring it back in and focus on what God has for me right now. You can do all of these things. There's a whole bunch of things you can be involved in. But where has God assigned you right now? And then we focus on those things. You can't experience what God has for you next until you steward what he has for you now. You cannot experience what God has for you next until you steward what he has for you. It's called destination disease. So many of us at some place in our life have all encountered destination disease. Here's how it works. You have this thought in your mind, someday I'll be happy when I get to that place in my life. If you actually look at your life, you, you started at 16. When I get my driver's license, I'll finally be happy. And then it's, no, 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 when I graduate then I'm finally going to be happy. If I can just get through graduation. Oh, if I can just get through college, then I'll be happy. If I can just start my career, then I'll be happy. Oh, happiness will be when I finally get married. No, no, no. Actually, happiness will be when I finally have kids. And then some of you are at this stage right now. Happiness will be when I finally get rid of the kids. <laughs> when I retire, finally, finally when we can retire, that's when we're going to be happy. And you spend your whole life chasing something out there and you miss everything that God has for you now. God wants us to focus, pay attention, don't miss what he has for you now. So I'm going to give you a couple ways to filter this. You're saying, okay, Pastor Josh, I need to pay attention to the moments. How do I know what moments are the most important? How do I know how to prioritize the things that I should be spending my time and attention on? Well, I kind of create this little list, kind of a priority ladder, if you will. You can rename the names on it however you want, uh, but I hope your rankings are pretty similar to this. But number one should be this. It should be God. 
Uh, if you're trying to make a decision about how you're going to prioritize your time and how you're going to focus on things, uh, put it in God first. The scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Everything else falls into place if God is at the core. If God's at the core of it all, then everything else falls into place. So you put God first in your priorities. It's going to help you focus on what you should pay attention to. That's why Paul said, understand God's will. We need to know. We need to be able to discern what God's will is for our life. Well, you can't do that unless God is at the core of your life. Uh, you want to know if God is number one in your life? Here's a quick way to tell if God is prioritized number one in your life. Check your calendar and check your bank account. Because where your time and your treasure are, that's where you can tell your value of your, uh, where you're putting God. Are you spending time on things of God? Are you spending resources? Are you putting your money in places where God is number one in your life? That's where you can tell if you're putting God number one. Number two, I think in the priority ladder is you're trying to decide what gets your time and what gets your attention. Uh, it needs to be family. Number two should be family. I mean, there's a lot of things you can be involved in, but I think spending intentional time with your family. Um, Jess was really surprised to see this week uh, that Charlie and I, we were wrestling in the basement and I came upstairs to get water because I'm old and I needed a drink to wrestle with my six-year-old son. Uh, but when I came upstairs, I was in full superhero costume. That meant the boots, the pants, the shirt, and even the face mask. And we were wrestling downstairs. Why? Because that's what my son needs. That's what I'm going to do. Are you with me? Yeah. Spend time with your family. My son's not looking for me to be perfect. He's looking for me to be present. Aren't you with me? He's looking for me to be involved. Can I tell you how many times I watched the same gymnastics move? Dad, watch this. All right, let's see it again. And I watch it and I watch it with my whole heart. Why? Because my daughter's looking for me to be present. She's looking for me to be active. She's looking to make sure family is up at the top of it. I put it down like this. You can make a name for yourself outside the home and be a nobody in your home. Yeah, that's right, yeah. You know, generations before my parents and whatever, uh, back in the day, it used to be said about, well, the man's assignment is to provide. That's all you got to do. Go to work, make money, provide. You can do whatever you want on the weekend. It doesn't matter. Just provide for your family. Uh, your kids need a lot more than a paycheck. Your kids need love and care and guidance and psychological help, and they need attention given uh, from their dad. Can I get an amen? And I'm grateful that tools have been put in place for people to see that it's more than just providing financially. There's other ways that we can provide. I wrote it down like this. I want those who know me the best to respect me the most. I want my kids to be able to look at my life and say, yeah, I, I see everything about him, and I respect him. Are you with me? I put it down like this. Many people climb the ladder of success and realize too late it's leaning against the wrong wall. Spend your whole life working on all this stuff, and all of a sudden you get there and you go, wait, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I thought my life and my family was going to look like. This isn't what I did. And so we got to be a people who what? Focus and pay attention to the ladders that we're climbing. We need to say no to good things, and we need to say yes to the God things. There's so many good things that you could be presented with. There's actually a story of Jesus. He's ministering in a town. This is kind of bonus content I didn't put in the sermon, but he's ministering in this town, and the scripture says that uh, some of the townspeople come to him and they say, hey, great news, Jesus. Um, everyone heard of the miracles and the signs and the wonders that you were doing last night, and so pe people are coming. Uh, there's going to be many more people coming today, and Jesus goes like, ah, actually, I'm going to be leaving. I need to be on my way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where he'd be crucified. It was his overall assignment. He said no to good things to say yes to the best thing in his life. Yeah. 
Now, I believe later on that those people still received ministry. But at some point, Jesus literally turned his back on good need and went on to the overarching assignment that God had for him in his life. And I'm not saying we get in a position to turn our back on people. I believe, again, that that their needs were met. But there are times where we have to say no to good things to make sure we're saying yes to the God things in our life. God will never assign you to do something he hasn't provided the time for you to accomplish. If you don't have enough time, if you don't have, it's because there's good things on your plate that need to be taken off for the God things. God has given you all the time that you need to do all the things that he's called you to do. We are just so uh, people pleasing in this culture. Thanksgiving's kind of run off into a crazy land, right? You got Thanksgiving with your family. And then you got Friendsgiving, which is Thanksgiving with the people you really want to have Thanksgiving with. <laughs> and then you have a neighborhood Thanksgiving, and then your pets have their Thanksgiving, and then the sports teams have their thing. I keep hearing about people having like 50 Thanksgivings. You got to get to a point where you can actually say no to some things because you have a priority ladder in your life. And well, if we don't go to that, they're going to think this, and they're going to say that. And I'm over here like, fine. <laughs> I hope they unfriend me. <laughs> Just kidding. But there's some things in your life you got to say, no, no, you got to say, this is a no. This is a no for me over here because I got to make sure my priority ladder because I want to be present in my life. Amen. The third thing I think is really important is friends. You should have friends. I think you should have people in your life who speak into you and encourage you and surround you and connect with you. Uh, Friends are really important. But I wrote it down like this. Friends, uh, you're to be there for them, but you're not to let them lead you. We're we're to be there for them, but but we're not to be led by them. All this people pleasing. Well, what might they say? Well, you know, we didn't go to the last one. Well, it's the second time they invited us. We should don't be led by them. You be led by your priority and your value system in your life. Amen. Number four is your career. Uh, Here's the thing about my career. I have passion and vision for my career. And I spend a lot of time on my passion and my vision for my career. But I will never let my career have all of my passion and vision. I want to have passion and vision for my family. I want to have passion and vision for my friends. I want to have passion and vision for the Lord. Are you with me? But so many of us can get so caught up in the hustle that the only place that your mind is going is not toward God. It's not toward family. It's not toward friends. It's all towards the hustle and the grind and climbing. And you can't let your career be all of your passion and your vision. And then lastly is the world. Uh, which is basically entertainment and hobbies. I think it's good to have entertainment and hobbies. You should go to the movies like I said we did, and you should you know, go to sporting events and all those kind of things. But here's where it's out of order, is if we were to take streaming services, your Netflix, your entertainment, whatever you watch on TV, TV, and combine it with social media, I guarantee you that the world, that the last category gets more of your time and attention than the other four combined. Statistically, they say the amount of time we spend on entertainment and our hobbies and our things would would outdo all of the other. And so people don't understand why everything's so out of order in their life. It's because what should be ranked last is actually ranked number one. Scripture says, seek first the kingdom and everything else will come together. I'll close with this. I really want you to hear this part walking away. Is God hasn't called you to perfection. That's the hard part in all of this. We're trying to balance it all. We're trying to juggle it all. We're trying to rank it all. We're trying to position it all. But we have this lie that's like, if you're not perfect, you're failing. And that's just nowhere in scripture. 
God isn't saying about your parenting that you got to be perfect. Your kids don't even actually want you to be perfect. Again, they want you to be present. Your spouse doesn't need you to be the perfect husband. Your spouse doesn't need you to be the perfect wife. Your spouse just wants you to be present, sharing the load, participating in the moment, being engaged in the life that God gave you to walk through together. Be present, be engaged, be paying attention as Paul told us to. And then just like the missionary said, wherever you are, be all there. We live in such an hour where your phone can go off or the TV can do a thing and all this stuff can happen. And then all of a sudden we're there, but we're not there. Be a people say, God, this is the life that you've given me. I'm going to put together a priority system that I make sure I'm stewarding this fit, this perfect fit that you gave me. I'm stewarding it to the best of my ability. Can I get an amen? Let me pray for you and, uh, and then we'll dismiss you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way you speak to us and encourage us. Lord, I pray that you help us have the eyes to see the places that we can pay attention, that we can focus, that we can prioritize uh, our lives with what you gave us. Lord, I pray that you give us the, um, the boldness to say no to the things that we seem to need to say no to. God, I pray that you give us the, the eyes to see uh, the priority rankings that we need to make in our lives. And Lord, I just pray against any distraction that's trying to hurt families. Uh, God, we pray that those distractions come to naught. In Jesus' name, amen.